Welcome to TA1, everything you wanted to know about adventure racing and then some. I'm your host, legendary Randy Erickson. Got the legendary chili dog sleeping at my feet in her bed, which is unusual. 17 beds in this house, but she'd rather sleep on the floor. It's a cold night in South Dakota. Right now, we just came in a little bit ago and it was 5 degrees Fahrenheit. I think that's like 600 below in Celsius, something like that. I'm not quite sure how that math works out. But um, um, but we did have a nice two-hour hike. And tomorrow, theoretically, sunny at about 45. So we will be out for a good one tomorrow. Tired the dog out. So, um, shoot, I don't know what else we got going around here. Uh, nothing, nothing. Christmas was good. Hope Christmas was, uh, everybody got what they want. Hope you're all working on your Eco Challenge videos. Uh, remember, when you're applying, if uh, you've been on the podcast, put a link. I can hear all about you and be, um, Totally amazed what a wonderful adventure racer and TV star you will make. So um, every little bit will count. And that's it. Um, just make sure Nathan gets doesn't miss any patches of grass. And um, on with the show. Go fast. Take chances. Peace out. Thanks for listening. Bye. Oh, well, got through. Yeah, well, first first GarageBand didn't work, and then I figured that out, and then Skype didn't want to log me in, and I figured that out. So, you know, you know, I'm a technological idiot, but we're here. Well, you, you must, <laughs> you'll be turning into a pro, though. You must be learning something each time. Well, yeah, I'm learning how to fix what's not working. <laughs> <laughs> so, well, the problem with GarageBand is I'm like two generations behind yeah. because you can't. You can't podcast with the new ones, and for some reason, it wants to open the it opens the files in the trash, and that doesn't work. Yeah, so. yeah, right. Yeah, no. To be honest, I'm not I'm not a te- technical uh, IT person myself. I can email and kind of look at a couple of websites, and that's about it. Yeah. So, but we got it. So, good morning. Oh, hello. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Another another perfect day in paradise there. Oh, we're we're having a we haven't really had summer start here yet. Uh, it's been a a tail to spring, so um, yeah, we still got quite changeable weather and things. So so uh, looking forward to summer kind of kicking in. But I don't know. I guess you could argue lots of reasons for it. But it, it seems one of the effects of climate change in New Zealand is that our seasons are getting sort of slid uh, backwards, like they're going, they're being delayed. So traditionally summer, when I was a kid, December was full-on summer, whereas now we don't, we don't really expect summer until January or, or even February um, huh. sometimes. So, yeah, yeah, we, we're uh, – yeah. but, um, yeah, things are changing a bit. But, no, we're all good. We're uh, – kids are on school holidays, and, um, yeah, we're just sort of getting, getting ourselves ready for some adventures in the, into the – Wilderness areas, we got seven weeks of, um, well, they had full, full seven weeks, so they've used a week already, but we, yeah, it's good, all good. So, do, this, do the 
everybody get that much time off from school or do you just take the kids because it's better than school? Uh, no, no, they get it. Um, not all get the same. My oldest daughter gets more because she had exams and things. Um, but no, the summer holidays are, are usually about about six to seven weeks for most of the most of the most of the kids. Yep, yep. Yeah. So we do. Okay. See. Yeah. See, I'm thinking it's Christmas break. No, it's summer break. Like everybody gets summer here. It's like. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's right. Oh yeah. Exactly. That's right. Yeah. 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 We, we're. Uh, yeah. So uh, no, that's that's. Um, we, yeah, we always do lots of fun stuff over over, over the summertime when we get a chance. That's good. Yeah. yeah. So, what do you um, what do you do for Christmas? Do you have kind of a traditional Christmas? No. Or you go to the beach. Yeah, that's right. I mean, I guess that's. I mean, I know for people I know in the northern hemisphere, they always find it, you know, quite an intriguing. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, having a having a having Christmas in the middle of the summer, and it is a bit strange. I mean, we would prefer to have that kind of Christmas celebrations in the winter ourselves. Um, just in terms of, I guess, getting together with family and eating lots of food, and yeah. you know, there's a lot of things about Christmas that make a whole lot of sense to do it in the middle of winter. But for us, it's obviously summer. So, yeah, New Zealand Christmas traditions are are, are, are a lot about going to the beach and having barbecues and <laughs> you know, <laughs> long hot days and things. Um, out my family, no, we don't have a, a, a Christmas tradition really. Um, we just sort of do different things. In fact, last year we we're skiing in Japan, um, yeah. So we actually did have a white white Christmas, but yeah, this year uh, this year we're home. We're actually going to be just camping camping by a river and, and doing some kayaking and and things. So yeah, I guess I guess in some ways the Christmas kind of celebrations itself for some people here it sort of moves by pretty quick because it's you know it's summertime they want to be out out doing things. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. But. So yeah. Well, in talking to your teammate last night. I decided that one of these years, Paulette and I should come to New Zealand and experience a summer Christmas. So, yeah, absolutely. Well, we we were the same um, last year. Like I'd never had a, a winter Christmas before, and and uh, and that that was really one of our big goals. It was like, right, we're we're going to have a let's have a white Christmas and spend some time in the yeah in the, in the northern hemisphere around the Christmas summer, well, what we call summer. So, um, yeah. yeah, we went to Japan. It was, it was, yeah, No, it's worth doing. It's well worth doing. And, uh, well, I mean, you get, I mean, you've obviously been to New Zealand, but, um, yeah. yeah, you just you just come, you come a bit earlier and, and uh, have, have Christmas as well. It's a good idea. Yeah. So, yeah. One, of, one of these days, so. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Someone needs to organize a uh, Christmas adventure race. There you go. Yeah. If, if only I knew somebody that organized adventure races in New Zealand. <laughs> <laughs> Warren, he, he talked to him. He'll be keen. Yeah. Oh, yeah. There you go. Yeah. See, I do know somebody or yeah. Ken. <laughs> yeah. That's right. Yeah. 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 So what should we talk about? What do you want to talk about? <laughs> well, uh, yeah, I guess it's been, it's been an interesting year, hasn't it? And uh, It has. I, I, yeah. I, I suppose... Yeah, I mean, I think Eco Challenge is probably the big news um, yeah. and the big question mark. But um, yeah, I think uh, you know, obviously, the, just off the back of um, yeah, Reunion Island and World Champs, and and uh, yeah, just sort of going forward. Um, oh. Yeah, I think. Well, let's yeah, let's start with Reunion Island. Tell me, tell me about your race. I read the. 
I feel like I kind of know because I read your report. <laughs> yeah, Very yeah. well done. <laughs> yeah. <geez>. Um, <laughs> so here I'll start with this question. So I asked Fleur. Yep. To 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 grade herself on her race. Oh yeah. Being, and she gave herself a a B a strong B for for the race, but she gave herself an A um, on her expectations. All right. So, yep. 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 Yeah. No. That's. So, it. Um, yeah. I can. I can. Uh, put us often hard on yourself, but uh, no, probably. <laughs> I got that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You'd think if you won a race, you'd be screwing yourself pretty highly, but no. I. I. I probably similar actually. I. I. I guess for me, um, you know, I, I, a lot of people asking me after the race. Uh, you know how was it? And my initial response was, "Oh, it was it was it was really hard. Like I thought it was a really hard course, and a, and, a, and uh, yeah, the environment was 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 tricky. I mean, when I say it's hard course, I mean that you know it started with a you know, hundred kilometer trekking stage that had I think five and a half thousand meters of um, vertical climbing in it, and um, and then obviously the heat and and, and other other sort of things." Mm-hmm. Yeah, and uh, but then well, what I sort of start, I realized after a while it's kind of a stupid answer, really. When someone asks you how a venture race was and you say it was hard, it, it, <laughs> it kind of implies that you expected it to be easy. And, yeah, and I think I think that's um, probably some learning for me because I I think for many years I actually have expected the races to be they're I mean, not easy, but not that difficult. And mm-hmm. um, it was interesting, just I, I guess just having some chats with Chris and Stu. Um, you know, in the days just after the races, we were just sort of winding down as you do. And, and neither of them actually found the race that hard. And I sort of thought, oh, that's how I used to be, where I, you know, you definitely go through challenging times and you, you know, there's times at the race where you're working hard and, and you might be hurting and suffering for a bit. But as a, as an overall thing, you know, you, you actually don't find it that difficult. Mm-hmm. Whereas I think for me now, a combination of sort of age and just being quite, I guess sporadic with what races I do, and you know I hadn't raced the world champs, or I hadn't raced the race of that level for two years, and um, I just don't. I just think races are going to be hard for me now. Like I think if I if I t- decide to turn up and, and do one, then it is just going to be it is just going to be a lot more challenging um, yeah. than what they used to be. So yeah, I, I, it's probably I found the race hard, but it, that's not to say it was a hard race. I guess is I guess is what I'm trying to say. Yeah, it's um, yeah. Oh, incredible location, like far out. The, you know, when you look at that place, um, I don't know if you've seen an aerial photograph of Reunion Island, but um, and it looks like something that has just been sort of computer engineered, you know, for Jurassic Park or something. Um, you know, these big sort of remnants of volcanoes, which and one of them is still very active, from what I understand. Um, so incredible place to to visit and and to explore. Um, yeah. Fortunately for me, I was probably just hurting a bit too much at times to really enjoy it. But um, but glad I went. You know, I guess that's a, yeah. Was a yeah, really, really, really good place to go and, and explore. Yeah. So you know, from what I gather, is your strategy was was to start very conservative. Was that in part because you're a little rusty and you have a, a new person on the team that that you, you're not quite sure how hard you should go yeah yeah absolutely um you know i was definitely keen to um you know start off 
start off easy. And, and we, we sort of does that, developed that strategy before we even really knew anything about the course. Mm-hmm. And um, I guess what was kind of good about that strategy was is that I, I had sort of had that in my mind that I just, you know, I was thinking what's going to be good for me is, is that we just start off nice and slow and just ease into it and just back ourselves that, you know, that come into the race that we'll be there or thereabouts or that we can sort of become competitive um, at some stage during the race. And then I sort of talked to Fleur about it. Uh, we had a couple of conversations and she was, I haven't heard her podcast yet, but I will listen to it. But you know, she was she was quite nervous going into the race for yeah. obvious reasons. And, um, and, and she kind of liked that idea as well of, of not sort of, you know, pushing too hard from the start. I, I guess we've all done it. You know, we've all done races before we've gone too hard and you just, you never sort of look back on a race and go, yeah, that was that was great. You know, starting mm-hmm. fast. <laughs> you <didn't, Yeah. laughs> it's almost just like you're just racing faster to reach that point of fatigue and discomfort, and then you're just in that in that zone for longer. So, yeah. um, but what was really good was that Chris and Stu had independently had the same discussion. So when we actually got together as a team and um, sort of chatted about ideas, we were all on the same page, which was which was um, which was great. And then we got the course, and then it was even better because <laughs> once we got the course, we were like far out. This is not a race where you want to, you know, go off go off hard because it just the first stage was just so brutal. And then um, and then plus the heat, you know. And I, the reality for us too is we're we're coming out of winter, so you know we Chris and I had both been skiing um, a few weeks before the race, and then we we're yeah. in sort of thirty degree temperatures. So yeah, so our, our plan was just to basically stay. Yeah, just go at a comfortable speed. I mean, you have to, you still have to go. You still, you're still racing, but it's you're just backing off that five ten percent, um, and know that this will just, you know, we'll just just look after ourselves. We're just going to be in better shape. And and the other thing is, is I don't know how how much you picked up on it from from um, following the race online or how much you even followed, but you know, with the compulsory sleep and the amount of dark zones in that race. There wasn't actually a lot of point in going fast on the first trek anyway, because it was inevitable you're going to get stuck by dark zones somewhere. Um, mm-hmm. So if even if you did lose, you know, some time, you were going to basically kind of catch up um, anyway. I mean, obviously you'll get less rest if you, if you, um, you know, I mean, the more you get more, yeah. the sooner you get to a dark zone. But that was quite a good backstop as well. Was going well if, if we actually are, if we're too conservative. And we actually go a little bit too slow, um, then we're actually going to catch up anyway because you know there's, there's all these dark zones kind of staggered through the, throughout the course. But as it turned out, is that that first trek was so long and hard that we actually came through um, in really good shape anyway. Like we, like we actually came out, you know, we were second into the uh, we were to finish that stage. Um, some teams had more sleep than us, but you know we, we we'd had as much sleep as we'd wanted, and then we basically mm-hmm. um, so yeah, no, it worked out yeah. really well. And then the next second day, we took it pretty easy as well. Um, so um, until the night, until basically got until the night time came, yeah, it, it worked well, obviously for us. Yeah, well, yeah, <laughs> you can't argue with success, right? Mm. Yeah, well, I guess yeah. we got into that position. That every team would probably love to be in, where you're kind of leading the race, and then you're stopping for decent sleeps, and then still leading the race, and then it's yeah. very difficult um, to kind of challenge. To, I guess for a team to sort of challenge that or compete with that, and, and we found ourselves in that position. I mean, we didn't know exactly 
where we were because you didn't know how much sleep the other teams had had, but you get a pretty good idea. And yeah. uh, we were finding it hard to believe that any sort of the top teams had had as much sleep as us. We couldn't quite figure out where they would have got it had they had more sleep. So we were, you know, we were confident to a point. Um, Mm-hmm. But then, as, as obviously, the more the race goes on, the more sleep you have. It's like, well, it doesn't really matter now because we've only got a couple of hours of sleep to have and we're a couple of hours in front. So, um, you know, sooner or later, everyone's going to have used up their sleep. And um, yeah. and then we should be – it'll just be the race to the finish, really. So, yeah. yeah so that's, well, and you, yeah. Well, you guys have kind of been running that, that sleep, um, getting more sleep than everybody else for a few years. How did that – how were you – were you like that always as a team, or is that something that you learned? Oh, it's definitely something we've learned. Um, mm-hmm. And and you know, I guess I, I mean I, I think that is probably I mean, you know you often we often get asked by media, mainly by media. Um, not many teams ask us, <laughs> you know, why why are we winning so many races? And um, it's a difficult question to answer, but I, I do think that the real simple answer is just experience we just collectively have so much race experience yeah and 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 like that the old proverbs and quotes say is you know your best experience and learning opportunities come from the mistakes you've made and and we we've just made those mistakes you know we've pushed hard in races without sleep and we've had sleep deprivation we've had teammates with sleep monster doing all the hallucinations and throwing bikes off cliffs and all the kind of crazy stuff that went on um you know, back in the, you know, I guess in the early part of our adventure racing careers. And we just know now that it's just not worth um, sort of going there, really. So so we just mm-hmm. manage our sleep a lot better and, and and just have the sleep. And as soon as someone is kind of starting to struggle with sleep monster, we just we just don't sort of, I guess we just don't tolerate it anymore. We just, we, I guess we just learned that it's not worth it. And yeah. I think, too, that as you go on in racing like um, – you know, struggling with sleep deprivation is, is, is probably one of the worst things in the sport. Or oh, it is for me anyway. Um, you know, I actually, I, I really dislike it when you, yeah, when you just basically all you want to do is sleep, but instead you have to keep trekking or biking or whatever it is you're doing. And um, and we don't sort of, I guess as a team, like we don't sort of wish it upon our teammates. Like if someone's really, really um, struggling with sleep, we don't really want them to be suffering that either. So, yeah. so we just we just go well. well let's sleep because so and so needs sleep. Um, we'll all benefit from it, and um, and this is crazy. You know, we don't want them to sort of suffer unnecessarily, and uh, and, and it's actually not gonna it's not gonna achieve much. So um, so, but then I guess that's evolved to being more preventative. So rather than sort of waiting until that happens, we just we just sort of start banking sleep earlier on and and. Um, you know, like I think in reunion, you know, it was compulsory twelve hours sleep. I think we had eighteen, something, something, somewhere around there. And and we and the races where you don't actually have to have compulsory sleep, we actually self-impose it. I think in Australia, we actually said to ourselves, look, we we're going to have a minimum of eight hours sleep in this race because obviously that was a shorter race, you know, going back yeah. a couple of years. So we just said to ourselves, look, look, we've got eight hours compulsory sleep in this race, or whatever it was. I think, I'm pretty sure it was eight that we said to ourselves. And we said, look, we're going to need this sleep. We'll race better if we do. So where are we going to take it? Like, you know, where's going to be the best places to take it? And and um, and it's interesting because during that race, just that whole mindset change, 
is we start we were t- we were having conversations as if at this rate this eight hours was actually compulsory. <laughs> so we we're kind of saying yeah. I was like we've got to use this eight hours somewhere, so we might as well use two hours of it tonight. Um, and uh, and that was just self-imposed, and and uh, it's really good because then you don't sort of have argue, you're not sort of having discussions or arguments about whether you should sleep or not. It's everyone's agreed that we're going to take this eight hours, so where's the best place for it? And um, and we, I think we, I think we ended up sleeping a little bit more than that as well in that race. But um, yeah. yeah, so you, yeah. Do you think? I mean, you guys can do that because you know, you know. It, well, it's going to lead into another question. But did you, you know, how fast you can go. You know, you you can do that. Do you think that the slower teams would be faster if they would would say we're going to have eight hours mandatory sleep? Yeah. I do. Yeah. Yeah. I think that, um, yeah, I think that most of the teams out there will benefit from, from more sleep. And, uh, I, and I've coached a couple of teams for God's own here, uh, rookie teams. And, uh, yeah. and, and that's one of the big things that I'm saying to them is like, look, you guys, especially because they're not strong night navigators. Mm-hmm. It's like you might yeah. well, rather than wandering around at night, um, sort of looking for, <laughs> You know, get lost or just wasting time. You're actually better sleeping. And I say to those teams, look, you want to be sleeping four hours a night, and you'll go faster from it because you're just not going to be moving that quick during the night anyway. Yeah. And um, and then I say to them, look, if you get and, and if you get lost, like if you get lost in the darkness, just sleep straight away. Like rather than spend the whole night wandering around, um, just basically mm-hmm. have a self-imposed dark zone, and then get up in the morning and you'll be away again. And I just sort of, I sort of just drill it into these teams that you'll be amazed how much faster you'll go the next day. And the teams that, the teams that were with you at, probably at that, that night, uh, in a similar situation, kind of wandering around, you, you'll probably catch them by lunchtime if you just sleep yeah. and, and then go. And, and, and those teams that have sort of taken that advice have always come back to me and said, yeah, that was, that was really, really helpful. Um, <laughs> To know that, and I, but I think I think for us, yeah, we, I mean, we can go fast. I think we've all come from backgrounds of, yeah. Well, not I don't think that we have. We've all come from racing coast to coast, and you know, various different sports that, oh, you know, I was mountain biking, Chris is orienteering. We still have that kind of gear if we need it. So I, I think we do have the luxury of, in, in terms of being one of the top teams, knowing that for some reason if we kind of oversleep. Um, you know, we can go, well, that was a bit silly. <laughs> yeah. Now we actually have to kind of really go for it. Um, but we know that we can do that. And, and I think the other thing that, that you know, um, doesn't need to be said, but, you know, we, we, we're so efficient with the navigation. I mean, Chris is just so smooth on navigation. We don't have to sort of allow for errors with navigation. Mm. I mean, there's minor things, but, um, yeah. you know, they're, they're so minor that they're, they're basically non-existent. And then with Stu kind of in that backup role, um, yeah. you know, the, we, we do have that advantage as well. I mean, there's, there's some great navigators out there, um, absolutely, but no, no one with the level of experience that Chris has got now. Um, and, yeah. and that just takes time. You know, you can't learn that stuff overnight. Yeah. So I was asking Fleur if you made any mistakes in the race, and she said, well, once in a while Chris would be like two meters off and he'd be mad. <laughs> Yeah, I know. I think I think we probably backtracked. If you add it all up, all the backtracking. Oh no! To be honest, I was going to say it was a couple hundred meters, but there was a couple of times where we kind of zigzag backwards and forwards. But it's not. It's more just because of the, um, you know, the obscurities and the mapping. 
you know, trying mm-hmm. to trying to find a trail that should be at a certain point. It doesn't look like a trail and a bit of interpretation. Yeah. But I think if you added all those things up, you're probably talking about ten minutes of time um, yeah. over a five day race. So you know, like it's not it's just so insignificant. It's 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 um it doesn't it, you, you don't need to budget for it. Whereas no, that, I, yeah, I think other teams it's not that uncommon for them to lose one or two hours. Um, yeah, somewhere in the race. Um, yeah, I think that it, that's way more common than than what you guys do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, so, so the, the other thing I asked Fleur is what surprised her the most about the team. And she said um, the efficiency. You guys never stop. Um, how long did it take you to learn that? <laughs> uh, yeah. and, and I've seen that too. I mean, I understand what she's saying. Yeah, I guess, <clears throat> I don't know. I mean, I think they just evolved, you know, through the racing. I mean, I, I, I'm not, I don't know if, that, if you sort of pin that on someone. I mean, it's different, there's definitely something I've been big on. I mean, I guess I, as a person in everyday life, like, I think I've said to you this before, but the thing that frustrates me the most out of anything in life is just inefficiencies. Mm-hmm. You know, like I, I, I get so frustrated just even just traveling, you know, when I just look at, you know, immigration or <laughs> baggage collection or whatever, and I'm just going, this is so inefficient. And I just get frustrated yeah. by those things. And one of the things that, um, I mean, I'm getting better managing it as I get older, but, um, but when I, when I sort of, started racing that was one of the things i really enjoyed about adventure racing was that you were in a team where everybody was committed to efficiency and i think over a period of time like literally nearly 20 years we've just fine-tuned that model like our team hasn't really to me it doesn't i just feel like i've raced in the same team my whole adventure racing life it's just it's just that it's evolved you know look it just sort of changes subtly but there's no major changes to the team so I think the culture of the team doesn't really change. So as someone comes in, like, I, like obviously Fleur came into the team, she picks up on that team culture and goes, oh, okay, well, this is, this is how you race. If you want to race in this team, this is, this is what you do. And, uh, and I think it's just continuing to evolve. Like everyone's had their input. So once people join the team, they, everyone starts thinking about how could you do this more efficiently or, you know, where did we waste time? Or, and, um, and I, and I think it's just become, got to that level where we've just become very very good at not needing to stop really like yeah we just i guess a lot of it is in planning preparation just troubleshooting things or just knowing what might go wrong and avoiding those things and then just and out on course just thinking about you know what what do we actually need to stop for i mean most things you can do without stopping and um and uh, and, and what and i i mean i i, I actually just one of the things I really dislike, actually, you know, with the with, in the in the racing, as I guess as a captain, is when you do get into that stop start stop start situation. And it does happen for us sometimes, uh, and and you start losing your momentum, and it's like, oh, this is really bad. You know, we've actually, you know, we've actually haven't gone far in the last hour because we've just basically been having to stop so many times. Yeah, and um, and, and it might be for good. Re- well, it usually is for good reason. Um, you know, either someone's got some foot trouble and they can't quite get it right, or sometimes you get into a race where the climatic changes are just getting thrown at you really quick. So all of a sudden, it's everyone's stopping to put jackets on, and then ten minutes later, everyone's way too hot. So you kind of have to cool down. So you, the gear comes off again, and then then you know, then ten minutes later, the gear's going back on again, and all of a sudden, you're like, man, we're 
we're really mucking around now, and I think all of our team are really good at identifying that and just going, right, guys, we're, we're, we're starting to flounder. Yeah. <laughs> we just need to, we just need to harden up. We need to be, we, we're just got to be either cold or we've got to be hot, but we can't stop all the time. And, um, and yeah, I think we just, we just streamline those efficiencies, I think. Yeah. Well, it makes sense. Yeah. If, you know, if you're stopping, you're not, you're not getting there. Even if it's yeah, just for yeah. a few seconds, right? Yeah, yeah, that's right. That's right. I mean, one of the stories I tell people, I do a bit of talking from time to time, um, you know, corporate stuff and to school groups and things. But, and one example I have of that is I remember one time we we're in a race and we we're walking along a, 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 a pretty good road. And one of our teammates actually had had a broken shoelace, and um, and we had a we had a spare shoelace. We don't always carry spare shoelaces, but we happened to in this race. And um, we we completely like relaced that shoe and um, and put it on without stopping. So I mean, the person had to walk walk for a wee while with, without with just you know just one <laughs> without one <laughs> shoe. But it was fine. You know, it was just it was a nice clay road, and they did, we just didn't need to stop. And um, yeah. And you know we just kind of pass stuff around, and someone laced this and laced that, and then and then person quickly, you know, the time came and they quickly just had to basically put their shoe on and lace it up and jog back up, get yeah. it back again, and we carried on. And yeah. Um, yeah, I mean it was it would have only been probably ten minutes to stop and, and do it on the side of the trail, but we just didn't need to. And uh, yeah. so I guess I guess we kind of often do that. You know, well, do we really need to stop for this? You know. Well, um, yeah. Yeah. So well. So what I'm gathering from this is it's not maybe not actually the actual stopping for a few seconds each time. It's the accumulative, almost like fatigue of getting started and stopping, or the mental fatigue. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I think I think yeah. I think in event racing, you you know, you, when you stop, it's always much how much harder to start again. So you, yeah, you, for that reason, you don't want to stop. So yeah, that, you're right. And then I think for me. It is a lot of it is about momentum, and, and a lot of that is just mental. It's just keeping keeping that momentum sort of flowing, you know. Just because um, once you sort of lose that momentum, it can be quite hard to to get it sort of fired up. Yeah. In. Um, yeah, and then, and I and I think too that you know obviously our team um, or variations of our team has got you know we've won a lot of races, and you, so you, after a while you just go, well, let's not tamper with the model. You know, it's, it's sort of working at the moment, so let's not yeah. change it. Yeah, I get that. Um, I don't know if I've ever asked this, but how much, like, verbal communication do you guys do during the race? I mean, are you talking all the time, or do you kind of know what's going on, everybody? No, there's not much, actually. And I, I wondered if um, if Blurb perhaps picked up on that as well, um, especially in Reunion, because I found that, it's one of those races where, I mean, like I said, I said, I found it quite hard. So you found, like, I found a lot of time you were just in your own bubble. Uh, well, I was mm-hmm. in my own bubble, just kind of, you know, just getting through things. And um, and so I didn't feel like there was much sort of chatting going on in our team. And and, and that changes from race to race. Like sometimes, yeah. you know, we're, we're often chatting about things because you get you might get onto a, a stage that. You know, you, there's no navigation and and um, it's pretty easy terrain and everyone's feeling good and you, you know, we'll, we'll wander along and chat about all sorts of things. But I don't remember any of those kind of chats going on at reunion. It was almost like, you know, right now we're just kind of on on the, you know, we're in this in the thick of this course. We're in jungle or we're climbing these hillsides or we're trying to deal with this 30 degree heat or whatever it might be. 
and um, everyone was just kind of quite silently just kind of moving through the course. And we would sort of chat here and there, but there's not much going on. But no, generally, generally in the race, um, we don't chat that much. I mean, we'll talk a little bit about obviously about where we're going to sleep and, and yeah. um, what's coming up and things. But a lot of that stuff now, I think, happens um, non-verbally, like especially between Chris and Stu and I. Yeah, it's, yeah. You kind of know, you know, you don't really need to, it doesn't need to be much said. You kind of, you know, we sort of just know that, okay, this next TA, we're obviously going to sleep here because this is just the obvious place to sleep. Um so the discussion is probably yeah. more about how long we're going to stop for, but even then, you kind of know what people are going to say. No one's going to have an outrageously different view, um, yeah. generally speaking. So no, we're pretty. We're, I'd say we're probably quite a quiet team, and, and and actually, that's one of the reasons why we quite like to get separation because we actually find some of the other teams quite noisy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And sometimes it just kind of you just want to you're out in the wilderness. You just want to kind of be. You know, with some of the some of the other teams, and that's totally up to them. But they're, you know, some of them can be quite noisy. You know, you can hear them a long way off. Um, and some, you know, the first day for me is kind of, oh, this is a bit getting a bit much. I just want to yeah. just get away, get out of there. Yeah, let's get away and yeah. just be be out in nature and and sort of enjoy it, probably with a little bit less sort of hype and hysteria going on. Yeah. Yeah. So, with a new person with Fleur on the team, were you were you aware of the the nonverbal, and did you? kind of make an effort to make sure that that she knew what was going on um yeah i guess yeah definitely i i sort of felt like uh yeah that i you know, tried to sort of keep her uh a bit up to speed with with sort of what was going on there, there wasn't much yeah. though like i think you know we had our race plan and we pretty much stuck to that so i, I guess my role was more just well my motivation there was more just just checking in on her really to see if even if you know what was a slow start for us, if that was still okay for her and mm-hmm. and just kind of getting a sense of that. But even though Fleur was new onto the team, um, you know, we've got a long history, but, you know, uh, yeah. Yeah, she's done a lot of racing with Stu before. Um, you know, she's I've raced against Fleur, you know, a lot, you know, even you know, 10 years ago in, in other races and things. So, and and she's a good friend. And, and so it didn't feel like she was a new person on the team. So it didn't, okay. it didn't sort of feel like, oh, we've got this, to me, you know, oh, we've got this new person on the team that we need to kind of, um, you know, communicate everything to. It's like, no, she'll she'll kind of slip into this pretty seamlessly, I think. And and uh, I think the only time I really kind of said something, I guess, in terms of racing wise, was when we actually did decide to push the pace and just see see what would sort of happen um, to the teams around us. Was when we first got onto our mountain bikes. It was about it was the third day, I think, before we started mountain biking. And we saw a few vulnerabilities in the other teams and well what we thought were some vulnerabilities and and um, and we got a bit of a gap without even you know, we didn't intend to intend to get a gap, but we did. And then that was like, okay, let's let's actually push the pace a bit, you know, for the first time in the race really mm-hmm. and see what happens. And I just I remember saying to Fleur at that point, I said, Oh, we don't normally mountain bike this fast because she I was thinking she might she must say, all of a sudden, this is crazy. We've got into our bikes and we're kind of riding like this is a mountain bike race. But um, but it was just like, no, let's, we're actually going to push quite hard for a couple of hours and just see what happens behind us. Um, yeah, so, yeah, just sort of pointed that out a bit. But no, other than that, no, we just, it was just sort of more just checking in, really, you know, that, you know if things were if things were going okay. Cool. That's cool. When do you um, start thinking about the finish of a race? 
Oh, I guess, I guess, do you, what, how do you, what, in what sense, what do you mean by that? Like what? Well, like, I mean, just thinking about, oh, we're going to be done, done shortly. I mean, regardless oh, yeah. of oh, winning no, or wherever. Not, yeah. not really until, not really until probably about a day out. Okay. So, um, I mean, I guess, I guess we're always thinking about, um, you know, working backwards from the finish line going, well, hmm. how are we going to get there as quick as we can? Um, and then thinking, you know, I, I guess you've got that overall sort of view. Well, I, I certainly do. Um, yeah. But in terms of actually going, oh, we're going to be finished, it's not usually, and we, it's, not, it's, not, it's not even really spoken about until you're probably about 24 hours away from it, where somebody might say something like, oh, you know, we'll be finished, you know, tomorrow night, you know, we're going to finish tomorrow night, or this is our last yeah. night tonight, you know, these will be the, this will be our last, um, our last dark zone. Um, Oh, so not last dark zone, but our um, you know, the last the last time we're going to need not lights tonight or whatever it might be. Yeah. And then yeah. um, and then when we, we obviously we raced a lot with Sophie, and Sophie had a thing called Lasties, which was the last mountain bike and the last kayak and the last hike. So she would often pipe up with that and just say, "Hey, Brian, this is our last mountain bike." <laughs> um, you know, and, and but the, but sometimes that last stage might actually be still be a few days away from the finish. You know, the, the last yeah. stage might actually be two days out from the end. But she'd often say, "Oh, this is the last time we're going to kayak in this race, or whatever it might be." So, yeah, enjoy it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you um, do you start thinking about food? Oh no, not really. Um, okay, I guess I, I mean I used to, but I I um I think two things have changed there. One is is that. Um, one is, is that we've, we're sort of using a lot more normal food um, yeah. when we're racing. So I don't get anywhere near the cravings of food that we used to. Mm. And, um, and I think the other one is, is that over, over time, the more, race, the more times you do these races, I think the more you just sort of adjust to them and then go, well, yeah. you know, I'm, I'm, you do look forward to kind of having normal food. But then part of me sort of like, and I think the whole team are a bit like this, you know, it's only four or five days of of not having, yeah. um, I guess, the normalities or luxuries or whatever you would call them. So you just kind of adapt and not yeah. really, um, yeah, you just kind of, you know, you, I guess, you know, pre-race, you just kind of live normal life and then you go racing and that's sort of normal for racing. And then after the race, you sort of go back to yeah. sort of normal. So I don't, no, I don't sort of get the um, cravings like I used to. But I, I reckon a big part of that is because what we're eating in the races changed so much. Yeah, you know, I think we used. To, and, yeah, yeah. Well, see, now you're supposed. This is where you're supposed to jump in and and tell me the wonderful freeze dried food that you're eating during no, the race. I can't because it'd be too um, it'd be too, too much of a commercial. Um, <laughs> but no, I think that's true. Now, I will. I can honestly say, like, I think it is the freeze dried food, but it doesn't have to. Yeah. I mean, obviously not. At just it's just the technology in that in that space. Yeah. Um, you know, you can just carry so much normal food that that. Um, yeah, that you you know you don't you just you just don't get the same cravings you know. But I mean, back in the day, especially in some of the countries we raced in, you you're pretty much eating gels and sports bars. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, for my, that was a prime big part of your food, and um, yeah, you know, no wonder we got these massive cravings because you just you know you were just eating crap. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so so kind of a two part question: Where does this this World Championship um, rank in, in the uh, um, in your list of World Championships, and which one is which one is like particularly good 
was a good win for you? Um, I think, I think in terms of just that, you know, the I guess under that umbrella, the World Champ, the ARWC kind of series or World Champs. Yeah. Um, I was still still would be up there. I I, I still think um, probably the 2012 raid in France. Um, it was a real standout race for me. Mm-hmm. Um, that was probably probably the race that I was, um, you know, most happy that we'd won um, for a couple of reasons. I think you know we'd, we'd been we were really frustrated with how we raced in Tasmania in 2011, yeah. and then so I think you know t- we made some changes and and. Um, and we went to France in 2012, and we were racing the French there, um, who are very, very good racers, as you know. Mm-hmm. So it was kind of like, man, we're going to have to really be on our A game <laughs> to to beat the French in France. And um, so it felt like a, a, a monumental challenge. And and uh, and we and we had we had a really hard race there, but um, you know the course, um, the the competition, but also internally within the team, you know, like I. I struggled a lot with I had altitude sickness up high and and um, you know we had some bike mechanical problems you know we didn't have an easy race and, yeah. and it just felt you know after that race that that we had been really really tested as a team and that we had basically come through and that was just hugely satisfying um, you know some some of the some of the World Series wins are a little bit easier you know they kind of go yeah. they go by a little bit less you know pretty uneventful really and you just kind of have a good race and you win and you go oh yeah well, that was cool um, yeah. but no that was that was a biggie and then uh, and then obviously Pantanal was just so out there that um, yeah. that that was just kind of out there that was a, that was an amazing experience more more for more for an experience just to have in your lifetime, not necessarily something, not yeah. not necessarily a racing experience. It's quite different. But I think what was really special about Reunion was is that, you know, I guess we we had to really race smart in this race, and and I think um, because of me and Fleur really, because mm-hmm. Fleur only had seven weeks' notice coming into the race, and then I yeah. was away for two years and. You know, I had some doubts uh, and um, about about how I'd go, and I think I think what we, you know we identified going to the race is that we would just need to be, you know, we couldn't rely on on our on our horsepower. We needed to be we had to do a race really intelligently, and I, and I think we did that, and and that was satisfying for that reason. So, yeah, I guess every I guess every race is you know you you know has different. Um, you have different goals going to each race, and if you can achieve those those goals, then that that, that becomes a satisfying thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, cool. that's cool. Do you think, um, like specifically, the World Championships have kind of got to that sweet spot of being long enough and hard enough, but still racing? You know, we're not we're we're not in those ten days in the Pantanal, and and you know, it's also not three days of flat out. Do you think? The mix is pretty good. Yeah, I think the mix is good. I guess um, you know we have the luxury of you know doing a lots of racing. So mm-hmm. well, what I like about what I, well, I actually quite like the variation. Or I think it's quite good. Like I, I, um, you know, obviously Australia was quite a short, fast race. Um, yeah. but, but to me, that was logical in that it was on the back of Pantanal, which was um, like an epic expedition. Yeah. So, you know, when you when I look back over, if you've got the luxury of doing a number of different 
you know, consecutive years of racing, well, not necessarily, they don't need to be consecutive, but if you can sort of do it racing over a period of time, I actually think it's good that the races change a bit because it, it sort of allows different teams, um, opportunities. You know, like when we, when we go to longer races, we start to sort of go, oh, yeah, these teams could actually be quite strong in this race, um, because they're good at long races. And then we go to a short race and we go, oh, those teams probably aren't going to be so good because they're more of a long course team, but these guys, yeah. these guys are better at short races. So these, you know, this could be quite interesting what happens here. And I, I quite like that, but I also think that, um, you know, you want to, that it's good that the race directors have got the flexibility to design the course to match the terrain. So, you know, if, if you're in an area where there isn't, it's, that's not suitable for a long race, then don't put a long race there. <laughs> Um, you know, yeah. just have a short race. That's fine. And if you are, if you go to an area that's worthy of having a really long race, then then that's great. Um, so I, I actually don't. You know, I, I would probably be less inclined to say, oh, the world champ should be, you know, 120 hour winning time. I'd be more like saying, well, you know, the world champ should be whatever the best course is, yeah. wherever it is. Um, yeah. And then and then whatever that may be, and just mix it up a bit. And then, um, yeah, I guess, like, you know, there's that race coming up next year on Rodriguez Island, I think it is, mm-hmm. which is a yeah. tiny island. So if that was the world yeah. champ, if that was the world champs going there, I'd say, well, yeah, let's just, it's fine if it's like a 75 hour winning time. That, that's fine. You know, it's just going to be a fast, flat out race. And, um, but the following year, you know, the race might be somewhere else and it might be, you know, a six day winning time. And that's fine. Yeah. So uh, yeah, yeah I, I, I'm, I'm definitely one for just kind of just appropriate courses for the for the country yeah. around in the terrain, not not to kind of ring fence it too much and say oh it has to be this length. Um, yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. Well, yeah, make it fit, but yeah, yeah, you don't don't put in a 200k of trekking just because. Yeah, yeah, that's right. And and to be honest, yeah. I during reunion I started to feel a little bit like. You know, they'd sort of tried to put a five-day race into a four-day course. Mm-hmm. Um, it started to feel a little bit like that to me. But yeah. But the, once I sort of finished the race and sort of stepped back from it, I was like, oh no, 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 that was that was good. That that was that kind of made sense, and I'm I'm, I'm happy that you know I thought I thought Pascal did a good job. You know, um, but yeah, I was still, it was getting close to being oh, it's a pretty small place. <laughs> <laughs> We're kind of yeah. going back to where we've been. <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, yeah. But, but, uh, yeah. But, yeah. Let's not come back here a third time. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. So, <laughs> cool. So, well, let's um, let's move on. Let's talk a little eco. Mm. Yeah, that's interesting. Oh. Um, that's kind of cool, really, it's, um, that it's come back and it's, um, you know, it's yeah. got, it's got, it's got some excitement around it, which I, which I think is a good thing for the sport. Like you can't, yeah, not generate that much interest and in, and in, in see it as a negative. So I, I think, yeah, I'm, I think it's great. Um, as I'm yeah. still, I'm still a little bit perplexed as to why, but, um, <laughs> but that, you know, they've, well, they've got their reasons. Yeah. I don't need to know what they are. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, I, I, yeah. Why did, why does Mark Barnett think he needs to do this? But, I'm glad he is. Yeah, that, that's right. So, I'm pretty much the same, really. It's kind of yeah. if they, if they can see a reason for doing it, then then that's great. I think um, they'll be a lot smarter in that space than I am. So, um, and and I think you know purely for the sport, um, you know, there'll be some 
there'll be some that will probably get impacted by, you know, some of the World Series races around that time possibly might be affected, but they may, they may, it may, may be the other way. It might actually, um, yeah, long term it's got to be good, but even short term, I don't know, it might, it might actually, um, you know, have a, have a positive impact to, to all the racing next year. So yeah. it's probably too early to call it, really. Yeah, I know that Rodriguez, I think they have 50 teams already, so, you know, I don't think it's going to hurt them. No. Um, well, Eco's only 50 teams anyway, so... Yeah, yeah. And I imagine and, and, there's probably 100 teams keen to do it. So, yep. you know, I'd be saying to those teams that don't get into Eco, go and do something else. You know, doesn't just because you didn't get into Eco doesn't mean you can't go racing. Yeah, um, that, that's a good point. Just, yeah, just yeah. go and do something else and um, gain more skills and get a race under your belt, and you'll feel better for it rather than sitting at home and wishing you were at Eco. Yeah. So are you getting inundated by people just, like, curious or, you know, what do you know, who do you know, what can I do, that kind of stuff? <laughs> no, 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 not actually. Um, really? <laughs> no, I've had a couple of um, kind of invites to join teams, but I've yeah. – uh, no, I don't – I haven't um, – I, I guess – I guess still quite recently, obviously the information's only just come out uh, yeah. this month. So I guess we, we've been just waiting to see, um, yeah. you know, what's going on. Because I, I don't know, I, to be honest, I haven't, I actually haven't really followed it. I've just been just picking up information that's been in chip yeah. past me, really. And initially yeah. I thought it was November. I, I, someone told me it was November, and I thought, oh, yeah, okay, well. That's going to yeah. be interesting because that's going to be quite close to Worlds if we decide if I decide to go there or, and then I thought well November's a good month for me but then I heard it was September and September's a bad month for me because in terms of going away racing because that's when our big women's race is, so I was thinking no. well yeah. if it's September then it's, there's no way I can do it because um I'm um yeah I'm, I'm, I'm I'll just be way too busy working, and then I heard no. it, and then I heard I don't know if you heard but then I also heard that it was going to be two men and two women. No, it's 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 the traditional. Yeah, yeah. Mixed, yeah, yeah mixed. Yeah. So yeah, so this, yeah. I sort of thought, well, that counts me out as well because if you're going to drop a male out of our team, I mean, I'm the obvious person to drop. So, <laughs> which I was quite relieved about. I was like, that's fine. Yeah. Sometimes it's better not to have the temptation at all. But yeah, yeah. it turns out that it's pretty much well. It's even yeah. it's even gone closer to the standard model um, in terms of um, yeah, you know, obviously yeah. mixed gender team and. And they've obviously adopted the um, the ARWC kind of nationality stuff as well, because Eco used to be just you had to be same the same yeah. country. So, so they've obviously yeah. they're a bit more relaxed around that as well. Yeah. It seems. So, so yeah, yeah. No, I, but no, I haven't really. Um, no, I haven't sort of had too much. Um, yeah, you know, other than just a few little chats. But I, I did have to laugh when I heard it was Fiji. Eh? I would never have guessed that. Huh. Well, it was you know it wasn't on my list either. I had I had more fun places I think, but I I guess it'll. I mean, people are excited, so what do I know? Yeah, yeah. Well, I guess it, yeah. it's probably it's probably the first time a race has actually gone repeated a location. I mean, obviously, you get the like like races like God's Own or in New Zealand every year, but in terms of yeah. in terms of one of those big internationals that traditionally new location every year. I think it would be the first time a race has actually decided to go back to somewhere they've been before. I mean, yeah. Fiji's a big place, so they could have a completely new course, you know, and, um, you know, it's not like they're going to go over old ground. I mean, they could if they wanted to, but 
Um, yeah, who's? I mean, how many people are going to, you know, would, would be repeats anyway? And uh, the jungle changes, right, in about two two months. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. So. It'll be interesting to how many people repeat though, because I. I've been surprised at how much interest it has created amongst that generation from back mm-hmm. then. Um, I guess it's the nostalgia and just maybe the, the idea of sort of getting back together again. And, you know, I guess for some people it's yeah. just like that would be crazy to go and, you know, sort of however many years on, 15 or 16 years later or something, um, yeah. you know, go and, do a, go and do a race again. So, yeah, it'll be, it'll be uh, yeah, it's going to be interesting to watch what happens there. It will be. I mean, I'm seeing a lot of uh, names that I don't recognize posting up about, you know, the race and stuff. And so, I mean, it's already, you know, I mean, just for me, I think in the last maybe month, there's been like 150 people added to the teammate finder page. Yeah. Just just for that. So, yeah. And I get at least, at least one, if not more people contacting me a day, like, who do you know? I'm looking for a team. Yes, yes. Yeah, it's, it's quite incredible, really. I, it's um, I've, Part of me feels a little bit sorry for the, you know, the race directors that have been working so hard over the, you know, over the time, I guess, the Eco's been away because there's been yeah. amazing races on and, um, you know, like totally, you know, up there with Eco Challenge, um, but, but you know, they just don't have that brand. And, uh, yeah. and then all of a sudden, you know, Eco's sort of just, Blues back up and, you know, all these people who want to go event racing again. It's kind of like, man, if you wanted to go event racing, <laughs> you've, there's, been amp- yeah. a- there's been ample opportunity, <laughs> uh, yeah. you know, to, to go and do incredible races. But, yeah, I guess, um, yeah, yeah, it's just the power of the brand, isn't it? It is. And, you know, I think those people just I, – I think they got out of the sport and, and that's all – they may not even knew that, known that there was adventure racing going on, so – yeah, that's dead right. That is absolutely right. I had a guy, I had a discussion with a guy a couple of years ago who was a, who did Eco Challenge, a guy I used to know, American guy, and we just sort of touched base um, on something quite random a few years ago, and he made the comment that, uh, essentially that, he was like, man, I yeah. really miss those days of adventure racing, it'd be, I'd so love to do an adventure race again. And I just basically went back to him and said, well, why don't you? I mean, there's, um, <laughs> you know, yeah. there's 10 races on this year. Choose one, yeah. do it. But he was oblivious. I mean, I mean, obviously, if he, yeah. if he really wanted to do one, he could have gone and researched that information. But I think some people felt that, you know, when the Raid Gulwars went and Southern Traverse and Eco Challenge and Mild 7, that, oh, you know, the sport stopped. Um, there's no more adventure racing anymore. But. It just it just evolved and changed. That's all. But um, yeah. yeah. But the people sort of, I guess, moved on as well. But yeah, there's that. Yeah, but there's it'll be because there's a lot of races around. You know that um, it'll be really interesting with Eco. There could be some very very strong teams come form up for that because there's a lot of races around that sort of my age that are that are getting on. But but they're people that were very 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 good adventure racers and. Um, and none of those people sort of have just been sitting around on the couch um, for the last 15 years. You know, they've all been active and doing stuff. And if uh, if some of them get together and put some teams together, you, you could sort of see a, a, a like a seriously strong field. Um, you know, at, yeah. at Eco Challenge, which will be exciting. You know, it'll be it'll be uh, you know, I, I think um, 
yeah, rather than sort of having you know the sort of the five sort of usual teams out front, you could you could all of a sudden see another five teams slotted into that though slotted in there quite quite easily. Um, yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, that would be exciting. I think. Yeah, yeah. It could be, a, and and I think maybe some of those old school hard guys. I mean, they're talking a ten day race at four hundred miles, so you know that's going to be hard. Yeah, 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 that's right, that's right. Uh, yeah, it's hard to imagine ten days of racing, but yeah, yeah. Well, we're gonna find out. So yeah, that's right. right. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So I gotta, we gotta finish up with my traditional question: How's the golf game? It's uh, it hasn't been a great year of golf, but I have played um I have played a little bit recently and um somewhat frustratingly it, my golf game is is about as good as it was at the end of last year, which was my focus for the year was to play golf and improve. So I've kind of come to the conclusion that um I don't tend to get much better even if I play a lot. Uh, <laughs> so. No, I'm, um, this is our sort of a golf season, so I have been getting out of it recently, and it's been good fun. But um, yeah, I've been surprised. I'm kind of shooting pretty similar scores to this, to this time last year when I'd pretty much played a, you know, I mean, obviously I've got other stuff going on in my life, so I'm not, I don't, I'm not just out on the golf course every day. But um, yeah, it's quite, it's quite interesting that actually. So uh, yeah, no, it's been, it's been, uh, it's been good hitting a few balls around. Well, good. Uh, so. Yeah. All right. Well, I'm going to let you get on with your day. I should go do some work. Yep. Thank. Thanks for the uh, for your insight and the chat, and have a good Christmas and a good adventure. Yeah. Yeah. Same to you. All the best for um. Yep. For the the new year time, and uh, yeah, we'll catch up in the in the new year. How's your How's your year looking next year? Have you got anything locked in or? Um, one race in um, Florida in February. Um, actually. A couple of more um, truck races, off-road races. Oh, yeah, yeah. Got that going. And yep. then um, I got asked to go do the race in, in Okinawa in March, a little 36-hour race that a friend puts on, but we'll see about that. Is that a truck? That's a truck race? Well, uh, no, in Okinawa, it's an AR race. Oh, really? Uh, the Haku, Haku, Habu. Oh, um, enough. I know about that. So that's that's the island to the south of um, the main of Honshu in Japan, isn't it? Yep, yep. Yeah. So my friend Ron Flick is there in the military. Yeah. And they put on a race, and he's like, "If I can find you some money, you want to come?" And I'm like, uh, "Yes." Yeah, yeah. So when when is that? So, uh, Mid March. Oh, okay. Huh. So. Yep, yep. It's a nice, nice little fun race. Yeah, cool. And then after that, have to just wait and see. Yeah. See what happens? Yeah, yeah. So. Yeah, good, good. Oh well, hopefully we'll see you around somewhere. I, I, it would be nice. Yeah, to I'm, catch up with everybody. Yeah, we're not. I don't. We haven't really. I mean, we're chat. You know, we're sort of in talks with Eco, Eco, and but we haven't sort of confirmed any sponsorship for next year yet. But I, I, I don't perceive there'll be any issues there. But um, I think at this stage our team is will just be racing Eco Challenge and um, well, assuming assuming we get a spot. Um, yeah. And um, Sri Lanka, I think. Um, yeah. The exact composition of the team is not 100% decided yet, but um, but yeah, the team, the, the, I think that would be the two races where the team will be at some shape or form. So that would be cool. Yeah, and then obviously the others, the other guys, I think are doing God's own in different different sort of formations yeah. and stuff. But um, 
But um, oh, good. I was meaning to tell you actually before we go. My last thing is, yeah. I, I I enjoy listening to your podcast. So it's good. It's nice to hear um, some of the other stories. Like I get to kind of hear from you know the people I guess that I wouldn't often probably talk to at races. You know, not yeah. not by not because I don't don't like talking to people, but you just don't sort of connect with some of the yeah. people. And um, but I but I always listen to them. Like I've got quite a lot of lawn mowing to do on my property. So that's my that. That's where I listen to pod, your, your podcast. I um, I basically plug the headphones in and fill up the mowers, and then I'll um, basically pass the time listening to event racing stories and cut the grass. So it's uh, no, it's good. It's good. Oh, I look, Thanks. I look forward to it. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm gonna once put this one out next week, and then theoretically I'll start being, you know, this like November or December is it's just kind of hard. So it's just like you know what? If I get somebody, I'll put an episode out. Yeah, but once you get in the new year, try to get back in the swing of things. So yeah, cool, cool. Oh, good, good. So, oh well, hopefully, right. um, yeah, all, yeah. I hope all the listeners out there, I hope everyone has a has set some good goals for uh, for twenty nineteen, and um, yeah, we'll see people out out racing and having fun. So, sounds good. Yeah, thanks for the chat. Cool, go on, Randy. Catch you later. All right, we'll talk later. Cheers. See ya. All right, bye.